Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by CP4. Saturday, September 19th, I'm Carolyn Gonzalez. On today's show, I will be joined by John DeShazer, my co-host, senior reporter for NewOrleansSaints.com, as well as ESPN's very own Monday Night Football color analyst, Louis Riddick. So I know you guys are used to having the show on Fridays. I told you all week we would would be going back to the Monday night Friday or Monday, Wednesday, Friday format. I got Monday night on the brain. Uh, I told you we would be going back to the Monday, Wednesday, Friday format. um, But because we had a late afternoon interview with Lewis, uh, we wanted to put it out on Saturday morning. So um, great conversation with Lewis Riddick. A lot of insight from him. He will be one of the color analysts um, on Monday night as the Saints take on the loss. Vegas Raiders. I almost said Los Angeles. So many name changes, uh, but the Saints stay consistent. Just some some announcements before we get into the interview with Lewis Riddick. Saints fans, if you've ever been to a Saints game inside the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, you know that we usually do the 50-50 raffle. Well, that is still happening. So you have the opportunity to win half of the proceeds collected from the raffle Um, And all of the proceeds, or excuse me, the other half of the proceeds will benefit the Saints and Pelicans Gulf Coast Renewal Fund, which will support hurricane lower relief efforts. It'll go towards the Red Cross Louisiana, the Community Foundation of Southwest Louisiana, and Feeding Louisiana. But you get the other half of the proceeds. So go to NewOrleansSaints.com backslash community backslash 5050 to purchase your raffle tickets. We'll have more information on game day, um, but all of that information is available on the website, neworleansaints.com backslash community backslash 5050. So make sure you go purchase that for an opportunity to win some money. We all want some money nowadays. All right, let's go ahead and get into our interview with Monday Night Football's color analyst from ESPN, Lewis Riddick. Lewis, what's it been like making the transition into the, the analyst role instead of doing, you know, half and post post game show? Yeah, it's been, it's been great. It's been a dream come true. Uh, ESPN has been real good with understanding where I wanted to go personally uh, from a career perspective. Last year, I was able to work with a great crew on Friday nights on college football with Dave Fleming, who was an absolute stud. Scott Matthews, who was the producer on Friday nights. And these guys took me under their wing, kind of showed me how it's done. Got to call some good games. And then on top of it, I did, you know, the opening game last year for Monday Night Football with Steve and Brian. So it's – we were we were able to get off to a real good start last week. Um, this is where I've always wanted to be. I mean, calling live games, not knowing exactly what's going to happen, although you prepare all week long for something to happen. I mean, that's the greatest challenge, I think, in broadcasting is for it to be unscripted. And that's the great challenge. And if you can somehow – for all intents and purposes, master that, then you know you've kind of done everything you could possibly do in broadcasting, and that's what I'm after. And we're off to we're off to it right now. And see how it all goes. We Lewis, can we can we back this thing up for one second, Lewis? Because you know I've read the background and I saw where essentially uh, you went to ESPN and kind of bet on yourself. Um, yeah, you just just lay that out for us because not everybody knows that story. Yeah, well, you know, if I go all the way back to the very beginning, look, you know, my, my story goes like this, really. I'll, I'll, I'll skip some parts in between, but let me just go back to the beginning. 
when I first started working at ESPN for the very, they, they had created a show back in 2013 called NFL Insiders. I started working up there without a contract. It was basically, I got paid per show. It was $800. No guarantee of shows. So for me to move into that kind of career, having not had any kind of broadcast background, that's a pretty big gamble, especially when you have a family to take care of and a mortgage and all that other stuff. So, um, but I knew that I was going to put in the work and I knew that talking about football was something that came naturally to me. Being in personnel, I used to give scouting reports to a room that included Andy Reid, Matt Nagy, Doug Peterson, Sean McDermott, Jim Johnson, and have to talk extensively about what a team was going to do and how we could attack them. So if I can do that, then I damn sure can do it to anyone else and explain football. So that, that gave me the confidence to kind of do this. So all during my time at ESPN, each year, they increased my exposure, increased my exposure, increased my exposure, and they because they, they saw that I could do it. Then it, there came a point in time where, you know, I, I talked to certain people at ESPN and said, hey, look, what I really want to do is call games. I'm going to call pro games. And the only property we have really is Monday Night Football. So I said, I'm going to call that. Simple as that. And it wasn't me trying to do something that um, other people hadn't done. Maybe people have gone to them and said that. But I was dead serious about it. I had done everything in football at ESPN up until that point that you could possibly do. I said, I want the biggest and best assignments. And at Monday Night Football, I think all of us understand how big that is. You know, whether you're a broadcaster or just a fan or a player or whatever it is, we all know what that means over, over the course of the NFL's life. Okay, that's, that's, I mean, that's Frank Gifford, Al Michaels, Dan Deardorff, Howard Coach. I mean, that is what it is, right? So a lot of people thought, well, man, you sure are shooting pretty high right there. You know, I'm like, yeah, I am. And I thought, you know, so when it happened and I got the call and was told that I, that I you know, was selected for the role, I was super grateful, emotional, you know, my family, a lot of us grew up watching Monday Night Football, sitting with our fathers, whatever it is. But while being grateful at the same time, I knew that if I had, you know, that as I was moving along, that if this was ever to happen, I was going to put in the time and I had all, every confidence that this would turn out the same way everything else has turned out in my broadcasting career. And I'm going to make sure that happens. I'm with a great team, veteran play-by-play guy. Brian Greasy's been calling games a long time. With great producers, directors, support people. Jimmy Pataro, the head of ESPN, is second to none in the media industry as far as running a network. I couldn't be in a better situation. Ooh, I'm motivated. Really I don't is, know about you, JD. I don't know about I mean, you, but I'm motivated. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really yeah, what I mean, it is, honestly, honestly, I'll tell you what, from a, from a, from a motivation standpoint, you, you have no idea how many people have reached out to me who I don't even know through social media or what have you who have said, look, I don't know if I'll ever get the same shot you did, but I know this. I'm inspired to try and get that same shot now because of where you've come from. I didn't come into broadcasting with a gold jacket. I didn't come into broadcasting with a string of Super Bowls or Pro Bowls or anything like that. I had a, a decent NFL playing career, a long NFL front office career, and I was someone who, like probably many athletes, I wanted to succeed and be and do a lot of things for my family stuff based off of my physical ability. I always knew that I had the mental capacity to kind of handle things that weren't physically related. But I, didn't, I really, I don't know if I ever envisioned this, but I knew that if I got a shot, I was going to put my all into it. And that's what I want people to understand is 
do not, I mean, a lot of times, obviously this deck is stacked against you because other people have different resumes when you're going after the same thing and you feel like, man, I'll never be able to weed through all that. But if your break comes, you better be ready because it may just come one time. And if you're not ready, then you'll be sitting there regretting it for the rest of your life. And I was ready when mine came. So that, that's really the lesson. I can never tell people when it's going to come, but just be ready if it does. Otherwise, what's the point? You're hey, well, if, I was not at my, if I was not in my own house right now, we'll probably run through a wall, but I don't have <laughs> right now. So I'm going <laughs> to. That, that's, just, that's just being real with you guys. I mean, that, that's how, I mean, you know that. I mean, you know how that, that, how that works. I mean, my, my story at ESPN is so unique. If it wasn't for the fact that they were starting a show back in 2013, a new show that was looking for someone with a profile like mine who had been in personnel and stuff, I may never have gotten an opportunity at ESPN, ever. I remember, I remember. I mean, I know we're probably getting off topic here. Hopefully you can use this stuff, but this is, this is a good story now. The NFL runs a thing called the Broadcast Boot Camp, okay? That's out of NFL Films in Mount Laurel. I've heard of it. I remember, I remember writing them a letter when I was, you know, trying to figure out what I wanted to do after personnel. And I remember getting a letter back saying, essentially this, we have a lot of other current players who are bigger names than you, who we're going to give an opportunity to first. We're not going to invite you to the broadcast boot camp at this time. Weeks later, I got an audition at ESPN and the story started for me. So what that tells you is you never know. You just got to be able to stay the course. So I'm sure there's a lot of people at the broadcast boot camp right now going, oops. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's not always, it's, you know, the biggest names aren't always the best. You know that. It's about getting the, it's getting the opportunity and then doing the work. So that's my, that's my piece of advice. That's enough what, about me. Let's keep moving. Why, why, why broadcasting after personnel? Because, you know, it, yeah. it you know like what? a natural segue. Right. It keeps me, you know, because it keeps you close to the game. Because really, it's always about the game itself for me. Football is really the only thing I want to really know in the, at the depths that I know it. All right. I've been around the game since I was at the professional level. I've been around the game since uh, seventh grade when my brother was playing, was drafted by the Buffalo Bills. I, you know, I was going to big time pro, I was hanging out in locker rooms with guys like Joe Ferguson, Jim Hazlitt, or the Buffalo Bills, Fred Smurlis. Uh, I was going to the University of Pittsburgh games when Hugh Green and Dan Marino were there. And I remember meeting Jackie Sherrill when I was in like, oh boy, that would have been like fifth grade, sixth grade. So I've been around football my whole life, been around big time pro athletes. So it was just a, a natural transition to like, if I wasn't going to stay in personnel, how else can I stay connected to the game? I'd love to just talk about it and analyze it and break it down. So, you know, media is always something I had my eye on. I wasn't really expecting it to happen at that time the way it did, but I'm just, I'm glad it did because it's just, it's turned out the way it was supposed to. I think we're glad it did too. Cause uh, I think we all appreciate your analysis. Um, I, it looks like you are in Vegas right now, Lewis. Do yep. you, have you gotten a, a chance to go inside Allegiant stadium yet? What does it look like in there? No, I, ha I have not. I got here uh, last night. And, you know, because of COVID protocols, you know, you, you get tested, you're supposed to stay in your room, not supposed to see, you know, go anywhere and stuff. So I'm, I'm learning every corner of this room. <laughs> <laughs> I've been downstairs to get something to eat. And 
I mean, it's beautiful outside. There's people running all over. You wouldn't even know anything's going on here in Vegas other than, I mean, in terms of a pandemic, there's people everywhere. So I haven't seen the stadium. Uh, I think we'll get over there maybe by the, you know, either Saturday night or Sunday and to get to see it. But I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, it looks spectacular as far as the pictures and stuff. So, uh, and as a former Raider, I just kind of want to see it. You know, I, I just want to see what this team looks like running out there. And I'm, it's going to be a great game between the Saints and the Raiders, no question. All right, we'll get back to our interview with Lewis Reddick in just a second, but quickly a word from our friends at SeatGeek. Just like all of you, SeatGeek can't wait to get back in the stands with you to cheer on the Saints and sing along to our favorite songs again. Stand up and get crunk, anybody? They're using this time to make discovering, buying, and selling tickets to events in the Big Easy, well, easier. Plus, every ticket purchase on SeatGeek is protected by their buyer guarantee, which means you'll get your money back or better if your event is canceled. Guarantee. Download the SeatGeek app today, and when the time is right, let's go. SeatGeek. All right, now back to our interview with ESPN's Lewis Reddick. Yeah, Lewis, because of your background, are you finding it easier to... I guess I don't want to say pull information out because that ain't a, ain't a good way to say it, but yeah. <laughs> to kind of converse with coaches and coordinators and, and, and personnel people. Sure. I, I think that's a great question. It's, it's a spectacular question. And I'll tell you why. I think coaches, coaches and players, when you have those kind of one-on-ones with them, those production meetings, even though now obviously they're all over zoom, they appreciate the question. They appreciate questions that, let them know that you really are into what they do from an X and O standpoint and from a philosophical standpoint. And they know they appreciate when you, when they can tell that you put in the time to really ask them a question that is more than simply who your starter is going to be and who's going to be an active. You know, they can email you that they can text you that if you want to, you know? So yeah, they, they like that. I'm and honestly, I mean, I'm, I kind of get long winded. So sometimes I have to remind myself to cut my questions off because I really like getting into the weeds about certain things that they like to do from an X and O standpoint, then from roster building standpoint to, you know, maybe different things that I've heard them say in press conferences during the week. Yeah. That, that, that's some of the fun part for me. That, that really is. And that started last year when I was doing college stuff. You know, I remember sitting and talking to Bronco Mendenhall from uh, University of Virginia. And after the meeting was over, I mean, he kind of like thanked me. He was like, I really appreciated, appreciated the questions you were asking and how we kind of went back and forth. And that, that's, that's what I'm saying. I'm a lifer, man. This is really, this is what I do. This is really all I want to do. It's fun to see the passion come out in that. With your background, Lewis, in, in pro personnel, how do you like the way that this Saints team is put together? Because they haven't had a lot of turnover over the last three years, and they've been a solid team over the last three years. But as you know, haven't yeah. had uh, quite the success in playoffs that they're hoping for. Yeah, they're, they're real good at self-assessing. And that's one of the hardest things to do. One of the hardest things to do is to be critical of your own football team because if you're critical of it, then you're almost in a way – admitting your own mistakes of maybe things that you've overlooked. So it's hard to kind of admit those kind of things. And they, they seem to do that pretty well based on how they try to upgrade this team every year. Right. So they know, all right, for instance, Michael Thomas is a ridiculous portion of their offense of their passing game in particular. 
So they, need, they know that they need to find the number two. They have tried to find a number two. They have tried to actively address that situation. Emmanuel Sanders, hopefully, when him and Michael are back on the field together, when Michael gets healthy, I mean, that, that's, that's an area where you can see that. All right, on the defensive side of the ball, Sean knew that they were deficient on defense for a few years there. That may have cost them. They know that they were deficient in the secondary. Secondary play used to drive Saints fans, I'm sure, up a wall. Okay, they used to get bombed, <laughs> absolutely bombed in the secondary. Now, their top six defenders, well, let's just say, yeah, their top three corners, top three safeties would be, you could match them up with any team in the league right now as far as player for player, the versatility that they have and the things that they can do. So that's another area where they really have helped themselves. You know, on the defense side of the ball, you know, getting, getting a guy like Demario Davis, who is probably one of the least talked about best players in the NFL. This guy's a first team all pro and most people don't even know who he is. Don't even know. That's a great addition. Adding to the defensive line. You can see what, what did they need last year a little bit more? They need somebody to help Cam out. Okay. Marcus has to come along eventually, and they're, I'm sure they're still hoping he can be that guy. But there's a reason why they were trying to find a way to get Jadeveon and Clowney down. So they, they get it, and I, I really respect that. I really respect that they know what their weaknesses are, despite that they have been just a tick away from being the Super Bowl representative like three years running now for the NFC. So they get it. So Mickey and Sean, they, they all get it. Now, how much have the Raiders improved? Uh, Gruden's first year, 4-12. Uh, last year, seven and nine, they find their running back. Uh, looks yeah. like they found some receivers uh, to go along with Derek Carr. So, how far along have they moved? Yeah, I think they are. Um, they're they're coming along pretty well. They are. They this past year, that's another team that really they understand what they have and what they don't have. They really methodically tried to address it. Like this year in particular, they knew that. They were real efficient on offense. Derek Carr had one of his best years statistically last year. But when you really peel back, you know, the cover and kind of look at what their offense really was, despite him throwing for the completion percentage, career yards per attempt last year, he was real risk adverse. He didn't want to push the ball down the field. One, because they didn't have the people to do it. They had Darren Waller, Josh Jacobs, that's it. So what do they go out and do? They draft Brian Edwards. They draft Henry Ruggs. Now they got people. And Henry Ruggs really, I mean, I'm sure in him they're thinking, we've got someone who we can deploy maybe just like Kansas City deploys Tyreek Hill. So they understood that. On defense, no speed at linebacker. Need more speed and playmaking ability at the the defensive back position. So the past two years, they've addressed that. They got younger and faster at those two positions. Still don't have enough pass rush maybe, but they're still trying – they're investing in it. They're trying to do it. So I think this team is younger. It's faster. They really tried to upgrade the perimeter this past year on offense. And after the first game, you can see offensively, they're going to they're gonna threaten some people. They're going to scare some people. The question is, are they good enough rushing the passer? And can they slow down high-octane passing attacks well enough yet? And we don't know. We'll see what the, you know, how it looks on Monday. Now, now one nosy personal question for the best-dressed man in, in television. <laughs> where do where those suits come from, man? Oh, I, I've got a, a lady in Philadelphia <laughs> who helps me out, who helps pick out all that stuff, man. And she's awesome. I, I kind of, I'm really into it now. I mean, I really, you know, it's kind of like Deion Sanders says, right, man? When you look good, and you feel good. And when you feel good, you play good. I, and that, when you that's play how good, they pay good. That's what he finished it off now. When you play good, they pay good. 
That that's right too. That's right too. Believe me, it's up here. <laughs> I know how that is. Um, but no, I think that's that's where it comes from, man. When I when I feel good and what I'm wearing, you know, you just everything just seems to flow from there. You know, my wife thinks, you know, she's kind of bought into it too now, man. She's just kind of like, what do you got in store for this week? You know, and I don't even I don't even show her what I'm picking out to wear. She just waits to see it on TV. So, but no, it's um. I like good clothing. I like good fashion. It's uh, it's cool. It works for me, you know. See, JD was hoping you were gonna say TJ Maxx. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Lewis, I tell you Lewis. What, it, it isn't necessarily about how much money you spend. You just gotta have the right patterns. And here's the the fit is the most important thing. How it fits you. It can't. Lewis, I gotta, I gotta tell you. Gotta I gotta tell you this story about her. She said if she were a superhero, uh-huh. rob any store, she would rob TJ Maxx. <laughs> <laughs> that's what's and we were like you know that's your aspiration tj maxx i mean you don't even want to steal from macy's it's not about the, <laughs> the price of the clothing it, it's about the patterns i, I make it look good okay tj maxx. There you go. i need patterns, patterns and colors are important now lewis world bowl champion in 1992 a lot of people don't even remember the world bowl yeah, uh, yeah. what lessons does a world bowl player former player bring throughout his life you know, that 1992 season, believe me, you know, our, our defensive coordinator on that team was a former Saints coach, Jim Haslam. Oh, wow. Who Jim was, Jim played with my brother in Buffalo in the 80s. So I've known him since I was a kid. Okay. And when I went down to, to Sacramento, that, well, that was the team I played for. Jim was the one who was responsible for bringing me there. And I had just got cut from the 49ers as a rookie. And Jim said this, he goes, look, I know you're down, you're out, you're feeling, you know, sorry for yourself. And he said, look, get your ass down here, reignite that fire. And he goes, I'll get you back to the league and everything's going to take off from you from there, for you from there. We had a great team. All of us were making, what I think the salaries were only like $20,000. We made $2,000 a week. We all drove around in the same, like, Avis rental cars. <laughs> we lived in the same apartment complex. But you couldn't have told us we weren't the highest paid players in all professional sports because we were cocky. We were hungry. We wanted to get back to the league. And I think that's, that's what the lesson is from there, is that we were all hungry. We were all very close. We all just loved football. And that, that memory about that and, and what Jim told me where he said, get down here, I'll get you back to the league. But you come down here and have some fun and just, and just work your behind off and I'll get you back to where you want to get to. That kind of that, – that whole – that thing right there was, what, it was like the launching point for me in my career was just getting back down there and kind of starting all over again because that's what it was for all of us. We were all there simply because like the NFL in some form or fashion were saying, you're not quite good enough yet. And I'll never forget that. And those, some of those guys – they were on those teams. I mean, Mike Sinclair, who, who wound up being one of the all-time sack leaders in Seattle. Mike Jones, a linebacker who wound up playing um, for the St. Louis Rams at the time and got to the Super Bowl and won a Super Bowl. Bill Goldberg. Remember Goldberg, the wrestler? Yeah. The WCW champion. He was one of our starting defensive tackles. So we had, I mean, there's, it was such a close-knit group. Those are, some of, those are some of my fondest memories playing football, period in Sacramento, 1992. Wow. 
Well, it was obviously the key matchup last week for the Saints was uh, – sorry, I'm going to go back to football. Or Saints. No, it's cool. Uh, it's there for a second. Yeah. Um, obviously, the key matchup was Mike Evans versus Marshawn Lattimore. That did not disappoint. Do you have a key matchup going into Monday night's game that you're going to keep an eye on? Yeah, you know what? I, I think for me, like when, when you – when I look at – when I look at Oakland – or Oakland, when I look at the Raiders, <laughs> Vegas Raiders – I think the guy, like everybody, will probably you know would probably point to well, what do you, how do you think Henry Ruggs is going to match up with a guy like, you know, Chauncey Gardner Johnson or Marshawn whenever he goes against? I mean, no, those are obvious ones. That, that's cool. I mean, those are good matchups. Here's the one for me though. Okay, I'm a big Alvin Kamara fan. I think everyone likes Alvin because he's tough, great balance, just you know, dual threat runner, receiver. I mean, he can do it all. Okay, I want to see Alvin Kamara in number 24. I want to see Jonathan Abram, the safety from the Raiders. I want to see those two butt heads, okay? Mm. Just like you saw Jonathan Abram just knock the lights out of Christian McCaffrey last week when they played Carolina. Jonathan Abram is one of those old-school Raiders safeties. He plays that way. There aren't many guys. Him, Jamal Adams, maybe the only two safeties in the league who play like that, with that kind of fury all the time. And, you know, Alvin doesn't back down from anybody I've seen Alvin Kamara get, like, his lights turned off, and it's just like he doesn't get phased. He's one of the toughest guys in the league. That's the matchup I want to see because they're going to meet. They're going to meet on this football field more than once, and they're two of the very best. That's what I'm looking for because I, I like old school football. I mean, I love the passing and all that, but I like guys who just like to play football because it's physical and it's, a, you know, me versus you, who can kick who's you know what. That's, I want to see those two get after it. Last question for you, Lewis, and I'm sure JD is probably going to um, chime in on this. NBA playoffs tonight, we get Nuggets and Clippers. I've seen you tweeting about it. Who do you got winning it all? Oh, you mean Nuggets, Lakers? Yeah. What? Um, no. Don't say that. No, you got the Lakers know. winning it all? You said Nuggets, you said <laughs> Nuggets Clippers. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry, okay, sorry. Okay. Clippers, Nuggets. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who do I, you know what? I, I put it, who do I have winning it all? I'm, I'm going to say. I probably do have the Lakers winning it all because, look, LeBron and AD, I mean, LeBron's ticked off, okay? He should have won MVP. I mean, I, I like Giannis. My son, I have a nine-year-old son who just don't, who won't stop talking about Giannis, all right? And I'm sitting there telling him all the time, who can His name's Darren. I tell him all the time, Darren, he's not even the best player. He might not – he's not even the best player in the East, let alone the, the whole league. And so – I think LeBron and Anthony Davis, I think that's a heck of a combination. I really do. I think they have a ton of momentum going right now. I think their, their, West, their finals matchup, though, their Western Conference finals matchup with the Nuggets is a tough one because the Nuggets right now, I mean, they're, they're, they like flying under the radar. So I think they got to get past them first. And then in the East, I mean, how can you bet against Miami right now against the Celtics? I mean, Jimmy Butler is just a – I mean, he's just an animal, man. I mean, this guy, nothing phases this dude. And I love Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum is one of my favorite players in the league from the Celtics. But, yeah, as you can tell, I'm, I watch a bit of basketball, man. I get into it. But I, th I think it's going to be the Lakers year. I really do. I still can't believe the Clip Clippers got knocked out. I mean, I can't I know. Believe it, but it's, it's – I know. Yikes. I know. You might have some New Orleans people coming in your mentions for uh, Anthony Davis because you know we have a little sour feelings. So oh, I know you do. Orleans. I know, I know, but he, he's good. You can't deny that. He's good. Him and LeBron, they got a good thing going on. Yeah.
Yeah. All right, Lewis. Well, we appreciate uh, you joining us on the show today. Make sure you uh, watch Lewis, of course, on Monday Night Football, 7.15 p.m. Lewis, we appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Lewis. All right. Thanks to Lewis to, for joining us on our show today. Uh, another reminder, neworleansaints.com backslash community backslash 5050. Enter your, or uh, purchase your 50-50 raffle tickets. It'll benefit the Saints and Pelicans Gulf Coast Renewal Fund, and you will win half of the proceeds. So make sure you um, go online to check that out. That'll do it for our New Orleans Saints podcast presented by CP Today. We will have another show before the game on Monday. We can't wait for Monday Night Football to kick off. All right, for Lewis Riddick, John DeShazer, I'm Carolyn Gonzalez. Thanks, everyone, and have a great weekend. Stay safe.